Today, we're in part two of the series that Pastor Ben kicked off last week called This Is That. And really through this series, what we're doing is talking about some topics that some people may think that they're difficult. Maybe, maybe some myths around Christianity, things that people have believed just because maybe they misunderstood it. And so today we're going to be doing the same thing. Pastor Ben brought an amazing message um, last week around the topic of the Holy Spirit. And he really just was explaining who the Holy Spirit is and, and how he's a part of our life. Did an incredible job on that. If you missed out, you could check that out online. It was such a great message. But I'm gonna be bringing a message to you today and, and I really want us to go ahead and just dig in to scripture in the book of Acts chapter two. And before we get into the passage here, I just wanna say that prior to this verse, what has just occurred is that the Holy Spirit has poured out his power, his spirit on the church. And in response to this, this is how people who are, are on the outside maybe looking in, what their response is to the way they're reacting. And, and so what scripture tells us is amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So they see these people reacting to the power of the Holy Spirit and they're just like, hey, what does this mean? Somehow, however, they even made fun of them and they said, have they had too much wine? Like, have they had too much to drink? They're acting a little bit crazy, a little too much for me. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. And I just want to say that Oftentimes what we see in scripture is what we do when we don't understand something is a lot of times maybe if we don't understand, we, we make fun of it. Maybe it's our way of coping or, or dealing with it, but we make fun of it. And so that's what they were doing here. And they're, they're just like, man, they, they have had too much to drink. And so then what we see next is that Peter stands up with the 11. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Um, and he says, let me explain this to you. I know you don't really understand this and you don't really understand what's going on, but let me explain it to you. And really that's what we're doing through this series is we're taking some topics that maybe some people just don't really understand. Maybe they misunderstand them. And we're just trying to explain them, make them easy for people to understand. But he says, listen carefully to what I say. These people, they're not drunk like you might think. Come on, it's only nine in the morning. It's too early for them to be drunk. Um, he said, no, this is that, which by the way, this, that's our sermon series. That's where it comes from is this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so what this part means right here, what he's saying is because several thousand years before this, the prophet Joel, he had prophesied that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. And so this group of people, they've been waiting for this promise to come for many, many years. And now that it's finally here, now that it's finally come to pass, because they don't understand it, they make fun of it. And, and maybe they had it in their mind what they thought it was going to be like. Like they thought it was going to be a certain way. They thought it was going to look a certain way, but it didn't look the way they thought it was going to look. And so instead they began to make fun of it and they began to reject it, which by the way, we, we tend to do that sometimes in our lives when we don't understand like, oh, I thought it was going to look like this, God. Why does it not look like this? And, and we don't understand. And so really what they're doing here is they're, they're rejecting something that they've been waiting on for so long. And the reason that they're rejecting it is simply because they don't understand it. And so today, um, what I want to do is just, I'm going to bring a message today that some people would maybe even make fun of, kind of like they did in the Bible. Some people would say, oh, that's that health and wealth crowd. And, and they would maybe poke fun at it. But I'm going to bring a topic to you today around, uh, around the idea of healing. I want to bring a message to you about healing today and, and just explain a little bit about healing. And, and I want us to look at it from a biblical approach because I believe that there's a lot of views about healing. 
Many of you maybe even have your own views about healing, but I'm going to bring a lot of scripture today. And so I want us to just look and say, hey, what does God say about this topic? What does God say about healing? And we're going to dig into God's word today. But before we get too far into it, I just want to point out two different approaches to healing that, in my opinion, they are errors, but also they are extremes. They're really extreme, like the pendulum has swung too far. And the first approach to, of that would be what I would call the confessionist approach. And this isn't necessarily even a, a, a theological word. You probably wouldn't find this in a theology book, but it's what I'm calling it. And it's basically the group of people that would say, you know, all you got to do is say it and it's just automatically going to happen. And, and the reason I would say this is extreme is because, yes, we believe that the scripture tells us there's power of life and death in the tongue. And those who speak it, they eat its fruits. And so we believe that there's power in our words, but we don't necessarily, it doesn't always work out to where all I got to do is say it and it's going to happen. Like God's not a genie in a bottle and I rub, I rub the the bottle and and he pops out and he's like, Hey, what, what can I do for you today? Hey, do this. And boom, it happens, right? It doesn't always work that way. And, and I'm sure that you can attest to that in your own life, that it doesn't always work that way, but kind of the issue with this, with this approach is that some of the people that fall in this group would say, if you're, deal- if you're sick, if you have a disease, that's because you have sin in your life and you're living a lifestyle of sin. Like they'd say, hey, if you're having a hard time in life, if you're having some difficulties in life, that's because you don't have enough faith. And I just want to say that's not always true. That, that, that's not necessarily the case. But another approach to that, but there's another approach on the other side of that Um, where it's just really extreme. It's what I would call the cessationist approach. And really what cessationist approach is, is the group of people that would say that when the last apostle died, that miracles ceased. They no longer happened. Like the Holy Spirit and his power, he's no longer doing miracles. That, That stuff stopped with the last. Like God just closed up shop, right? When the last apostle died, he just closed up shop. Hey, I'm done. I did miracles for a time, but I'm done with it. And there's a group of people that would believe that. And I I would like to say that I believe whether we realize it or not, most Christians do believe in miracles. Because if you think of however many thousand years it is from when the last apostle died, if only one miracle happened, that would mean that miracles have not ceased. If only one miracle has taken place in that time frame, then miracles have not ceased. They still take place. But what we do a lot of times is we, we allow our, our experiences to shape the way we view the world. We all do this. And what I mean by this is some of you may have prayed for someone and then you've seen them healed, but then some of you may have prayed for someone and then you had to bury them. And that was really hard. And so you begin to reason in your mind, like, how could a good God let this happen? And so, well, he, he's good, so he must not be able to do that anymore. And I just want to say, personally, I've experienced both. I've I've prayed with people and and then seen them healed. And then I've prayed with people and then we had to bury them and it was hard. But what I want us to really do today is to just look at this topic, take the biblical approach. And so I'm going to be giving us a lot of scripture today. And I want us to just start out in the book of James. And it's going to be found in James chapter five. By the way, all these verses are going to be in the notes provided to you in, in the worship guide. But he starts out with a question and he says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And then he goes, hey, is is anyone among you sick? If they're sick, here's what you should do. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them 
and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and y'all might be wondering, hey, what's anointing with oil? What is that all about? Well, this is just something that the Bible teaches us. And, and in the Bible, oil is it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. I said that a little earlier in the service, but it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches us to do that. And so we, we obey the scriptures in that. And by the way, at the end of the service, um, we, all, we always have our prayer team up here. But if you're here in the room today and you'd say, hey, I need a miracle in my life. I need a healing in my life. Um, our prayer team is going to be prepared. If you come up and just say, hey, I want to be anointed with oil and, and pray, they'll anoint you with oil, just like the Bible teaches and, and pray Pray the prayer of faith over you and, and believe with you to be healed. We want to do that for you today, but you'll have to ask them to do that. They're not going to just do that. You have to ask them for it. And so, but he goes on and then he says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And so I want to take and give you three points today, straight from God's word, straight from this passage right here. And they're, they're in your worship guide in the notes. And I'd encourage you to just take notes and lean in and fill in the blanks. And maybe along the way, the Holy Spirit's going to say something to you. Just write that down in there as well and, and just listen and really lean into what God has to say. But the first point that I have from this that we see in scripture is that God still heals. Come on. Can I get an amen right there? Yeah. Oh, that was weak. Come on. God still heals. Yeah. We, because we have hope. We have hope. What that means is today, if you're, if you're, if you need a miracle, if you're sick, if you, if you have a disease, if whatever it is, we believe that God still heals and there's hope in that. And I just want to say that we've been talking a lot about 21 days of prayer because that's starting today. And, and I, I know just in the last year that I've lived here, I've seen I've heard of several different stories where people received miracles. People were healed through 21 days of prayer. And, and I'm going to talk to that a little bit later in the message, even more in depth. But right now, I want to share one of those stories with you. We've got a story video here. And so if you could just give your attention to the screen for just a few moments, I want to share with you what God has done through 21 days of prayer. So my life before 21 days of prayer, of course, I grew up a Christian. I always went to church. You hear like God has a plan, have faith, um, read the Bible. But after 21 days of prayer, once you actually see God moving in your life, of course, that changes everything. Now you see faith differently, like, and God does have a plan for you. Of course, our biggest prayer is we wanted to have um, a family, and that was um, what we prayed for. The struggle of infertility um, wasn't in our playbook, <laughs> but um, God had uh, different plans for us. We knew what we wanted, and it wasn't happening on our time. We lost two um, in the amount of time that we did, and then we went a while without being able to get pregnant again. You get impatient, and you're like, I. I know what I want, I want it now, and when you don't get your way, you're at His mercy, ultimately. So you're just, you're just waiting to see what happens. There was one sermon, I, I mean, I couldn't remember exactly what day it was, but he mentioned that um, they went to the, the river and there was a man who needed healing. And Jesus said, go dip seven times. And you know that when he dipped the first time, he was wondering, why am I not healed? So he did it again. He's like, why am I still not healed? 
that hit me hard because I'm thinking you can try over and over and over again, but again, God has a plan for you. So you might have to dip seven times in order to be healed. You might have to dip 20 times in order to be healed. So every message always brought something encouraging um, and it spoke to me differently. 21 days of prayer ended and we we prayed and we did a lot of thinking and we, we decided that we were gonna move forward and go to a specialist um, out of town for infertility. And we set it up and did a lot of praying and the night before the appointment we took a pregnancy test and we found out we were pregnant it was such a surreal moment it obviously was not expected we you know we'd gone over a year since the miscarriages a year without even getting pregnant again and so for that to happen the night before we went to this appointment was just mind-blowing I went into 21 days of prayer because I knew that I needed this prayer answered, but I feel like I got a lot more out of it than just um, God answering my prayer. Everybody has things that they go through um, and they need to get out of that shell like I, I have um, because God answered, I mean, God answered my prayer and I know it's because I, I reached out and I put everything to Him. And coming to 21 Days of Prayer really changed, changed not just, but I mean changed our lives. Coming to 21 Days of Prayer, people are probably thinking, I can just pray at home. Like, why do I have to wake up so early and come to church when I can just do it in bed? The thing is, is there's, there's power when you come together in, in numbers. And people can't pray and lay hands on you when you are still in bed. Um, and if God can answer the biggest prayer that we had, then I know that He can answer any prayer, any little prayer, anything, it doesn't matter. There's something about getting in a room with a bunch of people, of like-minded people, like-minded Christians, and when you walk in, there's, there is, there's a presence in the room, and it, um, it, it, it changes things. And it really, just from a day perspective, it just sets your day in a, such a positive direction. Um, it'll, you're, how can the rest of your day be bad when you start out like that? Hey, come on, can we give God praise for that right there? Hey, come on, somebody. He hasn't closed up shop. He's still working. He's still doing miracles. He's still working in people's lives. And that's so powerful. That's so encouraging. And, and really what I want to do right now is just give you some scripture. And I, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And what we see the Bible tells us is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the question is this here. He did it for Colton and Ansley, and he's done it for many others that maybe, you, maybe you, you know personally. And if he's the same and he's done it for some, why doesn't he always do it? If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then why don't he always do it? That's a question that we have to wrestle with sometimes. And really the truth is I don't think any of us know for certain, but what we do know is what God's word says. And in Isaiah chapter 55, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. And so what we see is that God, God has a different perspective than we do. The Bible tells us that he sees the beginning, from the, the end from the beginning. 
And so he has a totally different perspective than, than what we have. And he can see the bigger picture and, and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And Isaiah chapter 57 says, good people pass away and the godly often die before their time, but no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil that is to come. And I, I never, I, I've read this verse before, but that never stuck out to me like that. Like if you've ever wondered why do bad things happen to good people, the scripture tells us that no one seems to understand that God's protecting them from the evil to come. Several years back, I had a close friend who passed away. It was really tragic that he passed away. And, and I kept, I couldn't understand why such a good guy, such a, a, a great person. And I couldn't understand why never once crossed my mind. I didn't understand. Maybe God could be protecting them from the evil that is to come. And so what we see is that God has a different perspective. He sees things differently. He sees the big picture. And that's why we as Christians have this thing called faith, that we have to trust in him. We have to put our trust, we have to put our faith in him. And we have to believe that, hey, even when I don't understand God's ways, even when I don't understand what's going on around me, even when it feels like God isn't even paying attention, I have to trust that God is still working, that God is still moving, that he hasn't forgotten me, that he hasn't left me, that he's still working in my life. It's faith and it's trust in him. Second Timothy tells us that the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and this is interesting, watch the next part, because it says, and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. And City Hope Church said a good amen, amen. amen. And so what we see is two different things here. One, the Lord will deliver us from every evil attack. That would include healing. I mean, every evil attack, that would include healing, disease, all these things. He will do, but it says, and he will bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom. Now, that, that's kind of clear as mud right there, right? It's like, which one is it, God? Are you going to heal my body? Are you going to heal me from every evil attack? Or are you going to let me pass away and bring me safely into your kingdom? Which one is it? And I would say, yes, it's both. Because whether he heals my physical body or not, whether he heals my body or allows me to pass on into heaven, either way, I've received my healing. Because can I tell you this morning that when we get to heaven, the Bible says there will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There is no more disease. There is no tears. There's no heartbreak. There's no crying. Come on, somebody. We got the hope of heaven. That's worth taking five seconds and giving God praise for that we've got the hope of heaven. And whether I receive the healing in my body on this earth like I want to or not, I will ultimately be healed when I walk into heaven, I will ultimately receive my healing either way. But here's where it's tricky for us is that we have to trust God with both. Whatever he chooses to do, I have to trust God with both. Now, this is interesting because towards the end of the scripture we were reading in James, well, at first he's talking about healing and anointing them with oil and all of these things. Then he starts talking about the condition of our soul. He starts talking about sin. And it's like, why are you talking about that when you're talking about healing the body? He starts talking about sin and he says, if someone has sin, they will be forgiven. And the reason I think he's talking about that here is really the second point, if you want to write it down. And it's that God is more concerned about my soul. Like, can I just say today that God cares about you? He cares about your hurt. He cares about your pain. He cares about the trials that you're walking through. But God is more concerned about my soul. And I just want you to know today that my life is not my life. 
This body is not my permanent body. This earth is not our permanent home. I had a youth pastor one time and he would say, this body's my earth suit. And when I get to heaven, I'm gonna, I'm gonna upgrade it, right? Because the Bible says that we get a glorified body when we get to heaven. So he said, this, this is my earth suit. And when I get to heaven, I'm gonna get an upgrade. And so the, we know scripture tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die. And we focus so much about our body because when we think of ourselves, like this is me, right? This body, my hands, my arms, my, my legs, my feet, this is me, right? That's what I think of. And so we focus so much on our body, but in Matthew chapter 10, it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body because they cannot touch your soul. And he said, fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And in our lives, I think a lot of times we put a big focus on what, what, can, what or who can hurt or kill our physical body, but we don't put nearly as big of a focus on what can hurt or kill our soul. Can I tell you that we have a whole eternity after this life? And the thing that's gonna determine where we spend that is this soul, not what happens to our body, but our soul. And really what this is, is that we're just focusing on the wrong thing. We're putting all of our attention on the wrong thing. We're worried about what's gonna happen to us and we're not worried about the condition of our soul. And, but the disciples did this. They focused on the wrong thing at times. Jesus gave them the authority to to do miracles and cast out demons in his name and all of these things. And they'd go out into the world and and they'd see all these miracles take place. And they would see the demons be cast out of people and, and all these things. And they were pumped up. They were fired up about all these miracles. And Jesus responds to them and he's like, hey, that's so awesome. In Luke chapter 10, he's like, hey, that's so awesome that you're seeing all these miracles and stuff. But don't rejoice that evil spirits obey you, rejoice that your names are registered in heaven. He's like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Like that's great, miracles are wonderful, that's fine, all that stuff, but you need to rejoice that your name is registered in heaven. Come on somebody, we got the hope of heaven and we can give God praise today that our name is registered in heaven. And it doesn't matter what happens on this earth because we have the hope of heaven. We got the hope of heaven. And what happens is, we end up focusing on the wrong thing. I'm convinced, like, I think miracles are awesome, physical healings, I believe in it, and I believe it's awesome, but I'm convinced that the greatest miracle that could ever occur is that our name be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, is that our name be registered in heaven. Salvation is the greatest miracle that could ever take place because no matter what happens to my body, I still got a soul. And my soul, if, my, if I die today, my soul will spend eternity in heaven. And so salvation, the redemption of my soul is the greatest miracle that could ever take place. And so what happens is we focus on the wrong thing. We put all of our attention into to what happens to us and we don't think about our soul. And, and I thank God for miracles, but God is more concerned with our souls, the condition of our souls. And really the truth is, is that all of this is a journey. The trials that we walk through, the pain, the miracles that you're believing and praying for, all these things, it's a journey that's leading us somewhere. And here's where it's going, it's point number three, is that God wants me to grow in faith. That's the whole goal of all of this. See, for us, we focus on the miracle. We focus, we're results focused, like destination focused. We wanna get there. We focus on the miracle, whether it's happening or not. But God's not as focused on the miracle as we are because God is focused on the process that takes place in me in the meantime, on my way there. 
He's focused on what takes place on my way there. And so when we're focused on the healing or when we're focused on the miracle, it'll drive us crazy. It'll drive us crazy because God is focused on the process. He's not results focused. We are, but he's process focused. He's concerned with what's taking place on the inside of us while we're on the journey. And I can say it like this. It's on the screen is that we're concerned about what happens to us, but God is concerned about what happens in us. Like we're focused on the miracle that takes place, and, and the, but God is focused on what's taking place in us in the meantime. And so while we're going through the thing that we're praying for, we have to realize that God is still working. He's still working on the inside of us. He's still working on the inside of our lives and he's shaping us and molding us and growing us. And so this may not be what you thought it was. This may not be what you thought it was because what it actually, you might thought this is that, but what it actually is, it's a faith journey. It's a journey of faith. And and we see this in Hebrews chapter 11, how important this is, is that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's why, this, that's why God is so concerned with us growing in our faith is because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And at the end, it says, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I just want to say some of the times that I most earnestly sought God was in some of the most difficult seasons of life. Because when I need God, I'm calling out to him. When I need God, I'm like, God, I need you every day. And he rewards us in those moments, in that journey, in that process, because he's working on the inside. And right now, I just want to take a second to just shift gears because I I realize some of this may be somewhat of a hard pill to swallow. And I want to shift gears and I want to make this personal. I want to share with you my my personal story and and, and what God's done in my life through this. For the majority of my life, I, I have dealt with, like from being a little kid growing up, I dealt with fear a lot in my life. Well, back in 2016, at the beginning of the year, um, my, my life was great. Like I had a good job. I had great friends, had good church that I was a part of. All the things looked good. But then suddenly, for no particular reason that I, that I can really put my finger on, suddenly I began to deal with extreme amounts of anxiety in my life. And the worst thing was like, I didn't know why. I didn't know where it was coming from. And I remember being at work one day and finishing my lunch break and going back into work and suddenly just like freezing and experiencing the first ever panic attack that I'd ever experienced. And it was terrible. It was an awful experience. But this began to happen often for me. I began to be filled with anxiety constantly. And I didn't know how to fix it. Like I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know how to fix it. Like some people, they stress eat. For me, it was the opposite. And I didn't eat anything. So in a matter of like three to four weeks, I lost about 20 or 25 pounds because I couldn't eat anything. Um, And my mind was always racing, so I I could never be still. I could never rest. I was averaging maybe two hours of sleep a night because I I, I couldn't rest, tossing and turning. And and even during the day, I I could never get peace in my mind. Um, And this anxiety ultimately led me to a place of really, really a place of depression for me because I had no hope. Thought my life was gonna be like this. I thought "This, this is my new life is how I felt. It led me to a place of depression. And I remember being at the darkest part of that, just wishing, not planning to do anything, but wishing I could just die. Like, God, if you would just take me out, that would be perfectly fine because this is miserable. Like really feeling that way. And I didn't know how to fix it. I thought I was losing my mind, thought I was going crazy. I, and I didn't, I was losing control and I didn't know what to do about it. 
Ultimately, it ends up leading me to, I started seeing a Christian counselor, which helped me in some ways, but then in other ways it didn't. It didn't really, no one had answers for like, hey, how can I fix this? Nobody had answers for that. And ultimately I ended up um, taking anxiety medication to help me stabilize because I'm at the point I can barely function to go to my job. Like I can barely get in my car to drive to work, much less do well in my job. And so I began taking anxiety medication to be able to, to function, to stabilize, which that helped me, but it didn't give me hope because like Anytime I'd come off the medication for three days to a week, like that time frame, I would go right back into a tailspin of depression, like right back into depression, right back into this thing controlling my life. And so I'm painting this picture like my life, I was dependent on this medication, completely dependent, because without it, I could not function. And I hated that. And it stole my joy and it took my hope away from me, took it away. And it almost stole my purpose because I, didn't, I thought the least little thing would send me back into that dark, dark place. And so ultimately I stopped taking steps towards my purpose and I almost allowed it to, to steal my purpose totally. But then back at 21 days of prayer in January, I believe it was actually the same day that Ansley and Colton received their miracle. That um, if you've ever been to 21 days of prayer, you'll get what I'm saying. If not, you'll see in the morning. Uh, Pastor Chris was on the screen and he just said, hey, I, I've never done this before but I felt led of the spirit to say, hey, if you're dealing with depression, anxiety, or any other mental illness, I want you to stand to your feet. And I wrestled with God in that moment because I thought I'm a pastor here. What are people gonna think of me if they see me stand up? But God was nudging me. And so I, I stood up in that moment. And at this point, I've been on medication for four years and no hope that I'd ever get out of it. Like I just had accepted, this is my new life. This is just what I'm gonna have to do. And so four years I'd been praying and just begging God, crying out to him, like quoting the scriptures, all the stuff, like, please heal me. And it wasn't happening. And I felt, I was really bitter. I was angry at God because I felt like he had turned his back on me in my, in my lowest point, my darkest hour. But that day, you know, Pastor Ben came and he laid hands on me. He prayed for me. I felt the presence of God. And when I left this place, you know, I kept taking my medicine. Nothing really changed. I told you three days to a weekend, uh, if, I, if I ever missed medication for up to three days or a week, I was back into a really, really dark place. Well, I realized at the beginning of March, it had been two weeks. And I had not taken any medication. That may not seem like a big deal for y'all, but that, that was a big deal for me because y'all can give God praise for that, but that was a big deal for me in that moment because anytime I, it was an accident, like I'd forgotten, which was odd because I had a habit every night of taking it. And I didn't realize for two weeks that I wasn't taking it. And I was totally fine. I didn't know why. And so I remembered the Holy Spirit reminded me because early on in this process of me praying for my healing, God spoke to me one day and he said, everything that the enemy stole for you, I'm going to restore it. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but in that moment, God reminded me that he told me that. And I stand here today totally free from anxiety, from depression, on, not on anxiety medication. To God be all the glory. God healed me. God restored me. He set me free from that. Now, do I ever have fear in my life? Yes, sometimes. Sometimes I have fear, but fear don't have me, okay? It doesn't have control of me. And I came here to tell you that today because no matter what you're facing in your life today, I want you to know that there's hope. I'm not trying to just convince you of something. I'm not trying to make you believe or come to this thought process. I want you to know I've experienced this for myself. 
a personal experience where God healed me. He did a miracle in my life and it changed everything for me. He did it for me and he, he could do it for you. But there was a four-year process that I was walking through before he did it. And I thank God every day. I thank him that he did it. But there was a process that was taking place on the inside in the meantime. It was a journey of faith. And quickly, I gotta, I'm going to wrap this up right here real quickly. There's three things that I want to give you that, that God was teaching me in the meantime. And the first thing was to be satisfied with what he had already done for me. He'd already saved my soul, and I had to get to a place where I said, God, if I have to stay on this medication the rest of my life, if I have to deal with this anxiety disorder for the rest of my life, you've already done enough, and because of that, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to follow you. I'm going to walk in my purpose. I'm not going to allow this to stop me because you've already saved my soul, and I've got the hope of heaven. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I'm walking through because you've already done enough. You've already done enough for me. And I had to learn that. The next thing I had to learn was to rely on God's strength and not my own. One day I felt like God spoke to me and he said, hey, you're, you're relying on, on medication and your counselor and these self-help books and all these things. You, your hope is in them. That's where you're finding your strength. And you need to make a shift where you find your hope and your strength in me not in those things. And I just want to say thank God for those things because they helped me in some really dark times. And I think God gives us these as tools, but we shouldn't put our hope in them. Our hope can only be found in God. My strength can only be found in God. And, and the Bible tells us in Psalm 28 verse eight, he says that the Lord is the strength of his people. This isn't in your notes, but it says the Lord is the strength of his people. He is a fortress of salvation for them, a fortress of salvation. And so I got to find my strength in God not in my own, not, not in the world. And then the last thing that I had to learn was to not allow my issues to stop me from fulfilling my purpose, which I, by the way, almost did that. I almost didn't. For me, what it looked like was I was so afraid that if I, if I got out of my comfort zone, I'd go back into a deep, dark depression, back into anxiety. I almost didn't move here when this opportunity was presented for me to step into this because I was afraid that if I got here, that I wouldn't be able to walk, I wouldn't be able to function. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do my job well. And then I'd be 12 hours away from home in a depression, not even being able to do. It was really just lies of the enemy the whole time. He was trying to stop me from fulfilling my purpose. And he was trying to use my issues as a crutch to make me think I couldn't do it. And I just wanna tell you today that God has given each one of you a purpose. And no matter what you may be dealing with today, no matter what circumstance you may be facing today, He's given you a purpose. And if you'll, just like Peter did when he stepped out of the boat towards Jesus, if you'll step out towards that purpose that he's given you, if you'll step out in faith towards that purpose he's given you, he will meet you on the other side. I promise you that because I've experienced it. He'll meet you on the other side. So we can't allow our issues to stop us from fulfilling our God-given purpose. And so last thing I got for you on the screen that's in your notes all of this is a journey. And really, here's the truth is that the process is the point. It's not about the result. It's not about the miracle. Hey, thank God for the miracle. Thank God for healing. I've got some things that I've been praying about for like 13 years, and I'm still going to continue praying about it. And I'm still going to believe God to do a miracle in those circumstances. Thank God for them. But the process is the point. He wants us to grow in our faith. He wants us to, to grow in this journey as we go with him. Thank God for miracles. Thank God for healing. But let God work in you. 
not just on the outside. Let God work in you, in your soul. Let him work in you. Come on, can we bow in prayer together today? God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you're, you're still working. You're still, you're still moving in our lives. You're still doing miracles, God. You haven't closed up shop. That there's a hope, there's a future for us, God. If anything, we've got the hope of heaven and we thank you for that. I thank you for saving our souls, Jesus. God, and I lift up every person in the room today, whatever it is that they may be dealing with this morning. God, I pray that you'd help them to realize that you're their strength, that you're all that they need. God, help us as we go on this journey, as we go on this process with you. God, and we just open our hearts, our lives to allow you to work in us, in us, Jesus. With everyone's eyes still closed in the room, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're far from God. You'd say, Caleb, this stuff sounds great. Maybe you have some, some areas where you need a miracle. You need to be healed. I just wanna remind you what I said earlier, that the greatest miracle that could ever occur is salvation that your name be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And this, this is what it really all boils down to right here, is that your name be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Maybe you're watching online this morning or you're in the room today and you'd say, Caleb, I don't know. I don't know if my name is written down in God's book. I don't know if my name is registered in heaven. Maybe you're far from him today. You'd say, but I wanna know. I wanna know that my name is registered in heaven. I want to have the hope of heaven. I just want you to know that God's here today, that he loves you, and that he's standing here with arms open wide, just waiting to receive you in, just waiting to receive you in. You can know today, you can leave today knowing that your name is registered in heaven. So I wanna invite you into this moment. If that's you today and you say, hey, I wanna know that my name is registered in heaven. I wanna say yes to Jesus today. I wanna give my life to him. If that's you on the count of three, just slip up your hand. I won't call you out or embarrass you. Just want to lead us in a prayer. If that's you, one, two, three. Hey, I see you, I see you, I see you. Thank you. God sees you. He's proud of you. He's proud of you. I see you in the back back there. Anyone else? I want to know today. I want to leave today having the confidence of God. I see you back there in the back. I see you, I see you. God sees you. Hey, he's proud of you. He's smiling down on you. He's smiling at you this morning. Anyone else? Anyone else in this moment? Awesome. Hey, I want to lead us in this prayer right here. And I just want to invite the rest of the church to pray it with those in support of them, those who lifted their hands. Say this, say, dear Jesus, I receive the finished work of the cross. I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins, that you'd come into my heart, and that you'd be my Lord. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again for my sins so that I could be forgiven. So I ask you today to save me. Would you write my name in your book? Say this, I give my life to you. Everything I have, I give to you. With your help, I'll follow you the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give God praise for the greatest miracle that could ever take place? Come on.
the miracle of salvation. The miracle of salvation.